If you'll turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of John this morning in chapter number 4, and I'm going to talk with you about today a woman who didn't know. I believe that with all my heart that some of us say that we know what Christianity is about that maybe we don't know. There's a wonderful book, a little small volume book, you could read it in one evening, that I want to recommend to you that you might read during the Christmas season. The little book is entitled, The Four Emotions of Christmas. Bob Lapine is the author, and he talks about the emotions that we have during this season. Listen to what he says, and I quote, Each year, many Americans expect that the Christmas season will work some kind of magic and some type of miracle in us. For example, he said, people go to events, we'll do it tonight. And these events are hopefully to create some Christmas spirit. Other people, they find themselves harboring some hope that their hardships, their heartaches in this past year will get a little bit lighter, and the carols and the decorations and events and and gifts will bring peace to them and goodwill on earth. But you know and I know it's got to be more than that, doesn't it? And for many of us as believers, we find ourselves in the same thing, that we go from one moment to the next, and we just really hope that something can bring us happiness. Single people hope that dating can bring them happiness, hoping that marriage can bring them happiness, hoping that a better job or, or, or some college degree will bring them happiness. But, but if something else is not in place, it escapes them. And when you get in the, the middle age years, you, you hope that, that maybe retirement might do that for you, settling down, an empty nester, or whatever it might be that you just hope that that will bring you that which you've been searching for. But I want to tell you, there's something that's been overlooked in our lives. There was a pastor that that Pastor Chuck Swindoll wrote about in his little volume called Intimacy with the Almighty. I read it every year. He said this pastor said to him backstage before he went out to preach, listen to these words and see if they apply to you. He said, Pastor, nobody knows this about me, but I'm operating on fumes. I'm lonely, I'm hollow, I'm shallow, I'm enslaved to a schedule that never lets up. Now this morning, I'm not going to push this sermon on you. I'm not going to push through this sermon this morning on you. Because when some of you just read that, you just heard that, for you, it puts you in a position of joy and peace. Others of you, like, I've heard that before. Some of you, it just went on by you. Some of you, you're already checked out now. But Paul came to a place in his life, he said, I want to know him and the power of His resurrection. See, there's going to be a day that you and I are going to leave this world, are we not? We're going to leave this world. We're going to stand before God. Is He the prize? For me, He's the prize. He's the end result, Brother Mike, of my life. I want to become like Jesus in His death. That's no longer me. It's Christ. That by any means possible, that I may come to that moment with God and stand before Him and not with regrets, correct? Not with sadness, not with, not with thinking, man, I, I should have known this sooner. So I'm going to tell you today, the, the title of our series is The Problem. Jesus is the overlooked gift of our lives. But the joy of this series is going to be is what we're going to look together at. A, there are going to be five messages in this series, and four of them will be in the Gospel of John, which shows us who God is in His deity, the John 3.16 God, the, the God who is Himself came to be our Savior and Lord. That God, when you look at the Bible, you find in the Old and the New Testament, over and over it says, to know Him. To know Him. To know means in the Old Testament, it's a passionate word. I, I looked it up, spent some time. It means to have an intimate relationship with someone. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6 when Moses was giving the second giving of the law, he said in verse 4 to them, he said, you should know Him. 
You should come to love him with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength to know him. And when we come to the New Testament, that word gets even stronger. In John 1 and 12, as many as that know him, he gives the right to become sons of God. To know him means that you don't only come into a saving relationship, but into a growing relationship. One of the questions that was asked in our devotion guide was this, how have you in 2023 grown in your intimate knowledge of him? I believe with all my heart that I'm talking to some people that know him in an intimate way. But I'm talking to some others in this room today that are like this. Back to that one book I was quoting from. Listen to what the author said. He said, I find most people today that they've joined a body of people who look more like a herd of cattle in a stampede rather than the flock of God beside small, still waters. So I want to ask you where you are this morning. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to lift you up and try to say that maybe there's something that is overlooked in your life. Here's the thesis for a whole series as it comes on the screen. I believe this, the most freeing, do you see that word freeing? Most freeing and most fulfilling life is a life lived in intimacy with Christ. Look this way. You're going to be busy. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to strive. You're going to have to, when you get older, you're going to have to go to the doctor. You're going to have to do a lot of things in your life. You're just going to, this is the, this is the as Ecclesiastes says, this is the common lot. You're going to be busy. So here's the deal. If you want to be happy, just walk with somebody along the path. That is good. If you got nothing else, that you should have said, that's it, that's it. Walk with God. If you walk with God in intimacy along the path, I'll, I love you today, but I want to tell you this today, many of us have lost the wonder of that. Many of us have, right now are so busy that we've forgotten the one who actually caused us not to have the car wreck this week. I have traveled so much and spoken many different places this week, and, and every time, I, I, God has just been so faithful to walk with me and to speak and to be a part of my life. Yesterday morning with 33 men here in the Bible study yesterday morning, God just showed up and showed out, and I couldn't have done it without Him. And I'm going to tell you that tonight when I go to my bed, I'm going to need a relationship with Him, because if not, the devil will come in the night and I will think the wrong thing and get started on the wrong thing and go down the right path. I'm glad that Jesus loves me. How about you? I think we should give him a hand this morning for who he is. So we come to John chapter 4 for a moment. John chapter 4 begins with, with Jesus leaving the area that he was in because the, the Pharisees now began to see him as an object where the, the, his ministry was bigger than theirs. And it said this in verse number 2. Notice this. Although Jesus himself had not baptized but only his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again, and he came to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Just for a moment, remember this, that when Rehoboam became king of Israel after Solomon, remember he would not obey the older leaders, and he said he was going to be a tough leader. And so in, second, excuse me, in 1 Kings chapter 12, the nation divided. There would be the Samaritans, the Samaria, the area of all, the, all Israel would be there, and the few tribes would stay with Judah, and they would be divided. And so what would end up happening when the captivity came, the 70 years, the Samaritans or the people of Israel, these nine and a half tribes, they would intermarry with the people of Babylon, but not the tribe of Judah. So they began to hate each other. 
And they wouldn't go in their area. If you find the history, you know this, that a Jewish person would go all the way around 100 miles out of his way not to be around a person in Samaria. They would not if they came up to a place, and you talk about prejudice, if there was a well there and there was a bucket and a cup, and if Samaritan had drank out of that cup, they would go ahead and starve for water. They wouldn't even touch it. But the Bible said that Jesus, our Lord, had need. Look what the Scripture says. The Bible says he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. He came to near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, the Bible says, was sitting beside the well. This is amazing. And the Scripture says it was about the sixth hour, or in Jewish time, in your footnote, it was about noon. A woman from Samaria came and, to draw water and, said, and Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.'" Now, that's a common thing, and, and you could kind of think about that. If, you, if you've ever been with us to Malawi or you've ever been in, in a desert country, you know how desperate water is. We will die in three days if we don't have some water in our body. We know if water is polluted, that, that people get dysentery and other diseases, and, and they will eventually die. But we also know, and boy, we know when we travel in Malawi, and we, when we go to a well, we oftentimes will build a church and, and we'll build a well because people will come to the well. It's a cultural thing. And so this woman came, and the problem is there was no one there. And she came, and the Scripture says the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, now think about this, what we've already studied, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. Now here's the deal. Jesus is going to begin where this woman is. Now, that's, here's the deal. We have to, in Jackson, if we are going to give the, the great riches of Christ and His intimacy, we have to begin where people are, not where we think they are. Can I get an amen? We can't begin with them in Revelation. It's not going to work. We can't begin with them in the book of Numbers. It's not going to work. We have to begin where they are. And so the Scripture says here, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, verse 10, here it is, lean in. Jesus answered her, if you knew. Now, that's not arrogant. That's not pride. It's truth. Three things about this woman. Number one is this. She was spiritually in darkness. She did not understand who Jesus was. She didn't understand about life. And I want to tell this to you today, that I believe that we've raised generations of believers who think this, that reading the Bible equates to knowing Him. Some of you, every morning, you, you have a devotion time, but is it intimate? Is it a time where the, that God literally is speaking down to you, or is it that you're reading because uh, you're like me, I'm on a 90-day journey to reading through the whole Bible. I mean, I, I've got to listen. I don't have time for Facebook. I don't have time for anything. I barely get my email because I've got, I got to get at it because I committed to God. But I'm going to tell you, it's changing my life to read it in that quick of a time. But think about this. Many of us are in darkness because we say, I know Him, but I'm empty. Three things about this woman this moment. She was ostracized from society. It's not in your notes. She came at noon because there was nobody she knew would be there because they'd either come in the morning or they'd come in the evening. When it's cool, they'd come for the whole day. The women would come, and so she did not come. We know later from the story, many of you know the story, that she'd been married and divorced five times, so she was probably not only ostracized, she was offended. She was offended by those people getting sick and tired of their talk. You ever get sick and tired of their talk? You say, no, not me. Well, you must never be out, out in the real world then. 
Because there's never a day goes by that, that somebody doesn't cut you off or, or do something with their hand that you don't like or, or they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't get you food quick enough in the line, correct? Or, or, they, or they just don't go the way that you want to. The, the person who is at the call center does not able to get that for you correctly because uh, they're, they're the only one working there and because their boss was too lazy to show up that day. They're covering for that, but you don't know any of that. All that you know is, is they, they are an offense to you. This woman in this moment came, she was ostracized, she was offended, but I think this, that she truly, I wrote this down, and I believe this with all my heart, that she was a woman that was overwhelmed. We live in a world where people are just overwhelmed. She came there in that moment, and Jesus said, he said, if you, if you knew who I was, can I say this to you today, that many of you are searching for answers, but if you just knew who he was. He's the God I've been reading over and over, Brother David. He says, do not be afraid. I read this morning with Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 19 when Sennacherib came against him and he came up and he said, who are you? He said, I've defeated every other army of the world and their gods are dead. And who are you? You are a flea. And the Bible said that Hezekiah went in the, in the temple of the Lord and got before the Lord and he, and he said, God, I'm looking to you. You see, we forget who he is. Some of you are, I'll tell you, you have such good inside of you, but you just get nasty sometimes. I'm going to tell you, some of you, I read your Facebook posts, and I'm like, why did you say that? And here's why. It's because you've lost your intimacy with the Almighty, because the Almighty would never act that way. I ask you this, if Jesus had a Facebook account, would he use it as my personal grudge center? I know he wouldn't. If Jesus, my friend, was living in the world, and he is through you and I, he's given us the instruction book. And he encourages us to be an encourager to other people. And this woman was just overwhelmed. And listen to me, she came in that moment, and Jesus said, look at it. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me this drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given it to you. Jesus uses a metaphor here about water, that life-giving water. He starts where she is, and he begins to reach her right where she is. So let me ask you this today. When you heard Jesus say this, if you knew the gift of God, and when you heard Jesus say, Jesus said, I'm the living water, what did you think? You see, we're not reading for content. We're reading for transformation. I need living water this morning. Anyone else? I've talked to folks this morning, I've talked, I've talked to senior adults, I've talked to young adults, I've, I've talked to the middle, middle of the road. You know what everybody's told me this morning? Everybody at some point in their conference, not everybody, but the, those three groups of people, they've told me this, I'm tired. Anybody tired this morning? Come on, you can raise your I'm not going to dog you for it. There's one in the back, one through you, I'm, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Uh, ha, have you ever, now watch this, here's the metaphor for this. Have you ever, ever been running hard? I know, Brittany, I know you have, and, and you, you know, in a marathon or a half marathon, Brother Dan, you did one not long ago, it, you, and all of a sudden your, your throat is just so dry. I did this Tuesday running on the elliptical. I was just, I was like, man, and my water's sitting right there, David, and I like, but I've got seven minutes left. And I, if I get off this thing, my mind, and I won't get back home. So I'm, I'm the whole time, I'm just looking right here to the water. And as soon as I got off, I didn't wipe the sweat. I, I, I didn't blow my nose because I was sinusy. I know it's got an eye. But the first thing I did, Dennis, I grabbed the water, and I just did like this. See, that's what you need today. You need the living reminder of who he is. 
And this woman was in the darkness. Jesus was not saying to her, hey, hey, ma'am, listen to me. If you could just get over, over, overcome these people, if you could just forgive these people, if you could just put what they're saying behind you, you'd be okay. Now, you know the truth is that, that when people ostracize you, they just don't like you, they're exploiting you, and that's hard to deal with. You know that, that when people are against you, that's hard to deal with. You know that when you're overcome by things, it's hard to deal with. And you just get right down and dirty. You just get right down. Some of you just get depressed. Some of you are like a cocoon. You just kind of go up in there. Is that my telling the truth? But if you could just open up your heart to God and say, God, I want to know you again. I want to know you apart, apart from social media. I want to know you apart from my job so that when I go to my job, so that when I do the things that I do, when I go to college, whatever I'm doing, God, I want to know you. You say, Keith, you talk as if he's real. He's real to me. And I'm not out here doing what I'm doing now because I'm getting paid to do what I get to do. And I get paid far more than I deserve. You can amen. That won't hurt my feelings whatsoever. I read my Bible. I know that I'm not worth anything apart from God. But I'm telling you this. I would do this if I didn't have to be paid. I met a man yesterday, a young man that says he's considered minister, Brother Jimmy, but he said he's watched so many men, pastors, that, that have quit and given up. And he says, I just don't know if I can take it or not. And I said, young man, you're looking at the wrong group of people. If you look to the one you're following, he'll keep you fresh. And I said, I'm not much, but I've been at it 31 years. And I want to tell you, I can't wait to get up in the morning because his mercies are new and fresh. So this woman was in darkness, but she was also deceived. Secondly, she was deceived. The Bible says the woman said to him, sir, you've, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. She looks at him and she immediately goes back to a physical thing. And here's how you and I do that. We look at someone and say, now, if you're going through what I'm going through, correct? We say that. If you had to deal with what I had to deal with, you wouldn't be coming up there to church doing what you're doing. If you had to work like I had, if you had to go through this, and listen to me, I don't have a clue what you're going through. Some of you I do because you let me in on that, and I love the honor to pray for you, and I'll do that even more so if you'll let me know, and I'll, I'll empathize with you. But I want to tell you this, that, that you have real issues in life. But you're overlooking what God can do and looking to the thing that only you can do. Jesus said, the woman said to him, she said, you don't have nothing to draw water with. It's deep. And, and she says, well, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? In other words, Jacob gave us this well thousands of years ago and when we split with, the Ju with, uh, with Judah and became Israel, this is ours. And many of us, we are fighting for what is ours. Can I tell you, nothing that you have is yours. So if you come over to try to take my house from me, I'll do my best to defend it. But at the same time, if God says give it, it's his, it's yours. See, the reality is that, that God is calling us to a bigger thing. And the Scripture says is that Jesus said to her, now, now lean in, see if this makes sense to your heart. He, he's the overlooked gift. Listen, everyone who drinks of this water, that well will get thirsty again. So why is it that we, you and I continue to do the same things over and over and over again? There's one choice of drink that I drink other than water, and it's Dr. Pepper. Actually, I like root beer too, but I don't get them very much. But I found this out. As much as I like Dr. Pepper, it does not quench my thirst. Can I tell you, another vacation will not quench your thirst. Another event, another concert, health, clothes, whatever it may be for Keith Joseph will not quench the thirst of my soul. 
Jesus says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water. Now watch this, welling up. In John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, Jesus deals with this reality again when he says this. He says that he who has the Spirit of God, it will well up in him as a spring of living water, and he will run and not be weary. I think that some of you have been deceived today. You've come and you think, this is the way it's always going to be. It doesn't have to be. It does not have to always be this way, Brother Mike, in your life and in my life. God has a deeper relationship that you now watch, that you may know Him. I find that when I get away from Him, that I find myself in the position of Jeremiah 2 and 13, which says that I'm a broken cistern. In his book, Intimacy with the Almighty, Swindoll, one more time, he says this. He says, in our lives, if we're not careful, the water of Jesus will get stale because we allow pollutants to get in the water. We'll even dry up. And he says this, sometimes our lives pick up debris from the world through our busy lives, but we go on without detoxing from our sin. Maybe you used to be a very sweet person, a very, very loving, forgiving person, but, but you got something against somebody, and that one time you didn't forgive them. And it's, it's stuck inside of you. Have, you. have you ever seen a pipe that stopped up, a drain pipe that stopped up? Then it's not your job. Y'all have that sometimes. You know what happened? It started with maybe a little leaf, and, and it got stuck, and another leaf, and it got stuck. And, and before long, the whole thing gets stopped up. It's not usually just one obstruction. It's a bunch of obstructions. And this woman, five marriages and divorces. But the perfect Son of God came to her. And listen to what Swindoll says. We often end up going to church. And we mouth the words of the songs, but they have no more meaning. This broke my heart. We find ourselves trafficking in unlived truths, and we fake spirituality. You see, I know that in our church today that there are some of you that if I ask this question, you're going to say yes and oh yes. I want to ask you this. Have you, have you been drinking from that well? Have you been drinking from the water of Jesus Christ? Has he been the one that you've spent the most amount of time? You say, Keith, that's impossible for me. I get up and I leave and I go, I go to Atlanta at 4.30 in the morning and I fight that traffic all the way back. I don't get home to 6. I get that. But here's the deal. He wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with you. I find some folks, I'm not for tattoos as far as for me. I'm not saying that you should or should not. But I've had, someone recently said that they got a Bible verse put right there so they could always have it there in front of them. I wonder this, how can you and I have in front of us God? The, here's how, intimacy with the Spirit. In that moment that you receive the living water of Jesus Christ, He wipes the slate clean and He says this, don't only be saved, start growing. You see, I know you know this, and we at the church know this, that, that when we begin to grow, it's because the, that we invest in the, the living Word of God. It's kind of like you put it in. It's not a supplement to the water, but it's 1 Peter chapter 2. You, you're going through trials. It's 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9, that you add to your faith, virtue, virtue, kindness, kindness, tempers. You add that, the Holy Spirit fills you. And the next thing that you know, people will start saying this about you. Why are you different? Why can you forgive? Why can you be kind? Why can you do all these things, but you sing, now watch this, just calm? Don't you just, would you know, how many just love to be calm one time? Just one time when it happened, just one time that you would not allow the flesh to rise up. Well, you can be, if watch this, if Christ is in you. Colossians 3, 1 through 3, set your mind on things that are above. You see, when He walks with you, and He talks with you, and He leads you along life's narrow road. 
I want to tell you this today, that this woman was deceived, and she began to try to get away from this in verse, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's trying to go back again. So Jesus said to her, Well, go and call your husband and come here. She said, he simply says, now, now listen, woman, I, what I want you to do is simply go and get your husband, come together, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this even more. But then, then the Bible says this here. The woman said, I have no husband. So Jesus said to her, you're right. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What, what, what you have said is true. And so there they were in this moment, and Jesus was trying to help her in this moment. And the Scripture says, uh, the Bible says in verse 18, the woman said, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. Can I say this to you today? If you haven't believed me, believe him. You see, this woman was in darkness, and she was deceived. And some of, you, some of you are deceived here today. Listen, believe in me because the hour is coming when neither on this mountain and the Samaria region there nor back in Jerusalem and Judah will you worship the Father. He says, you, looking at her, worship what you do not know. All of your people have built, you've built your own house of worship here and you don't know what you're doing. Now, now watch this. Uh, it's amazing. But we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. It's not that the Jewish people themselves, but one would come from them. The Messiah, 2 Samuel 7 and 14, the Messiah from the loins of David would come and be the one for them, and we celebrate that now. And the Scripture says this, but the hour is coming and is now here. Ma'am, it's ready. We're ready to, I'm ready to walk with you. When the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. See, if you read the Bible apart from the Spirit, it means nothing. If, you, if you ha you're in the Spirit, but you have, have no Word to guide you, again, you're just the half the person you need to be. So the Spirit, your pneuma Spirit, your small Spirit, should give everything that you have to the Spirit of God that's made you new, Titus 3 and 5. And as He's made you new, you jump into His Word. I know you know this. I know many of you are reading this. But let, let your, listen to me. Let your house be transformed. Let your drive to work be transformed. I mean, you, you say, well, I, I'm with God, but you know you're not because you're talking on the phone while you're doing that as well. You've got a thousand things going on. Jesus says when the true worshipers, now watch this, listen to the, the true worshipers are worshiping spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So when Pastor Rick this morning sang, we were walking in the darkness, and then He came running to us, Jesus ran to Sychar for one woman. You say, well, God would never do that for me. Have you been married and divorced five times? Have, have you lived such a life as that? Friend, you may have, you may not have. I don't know where you are, but I know this, that Jesus' blood is sufficient to pay the price for anybody's sin. If you are a believer, no matter what you've done in your life up to this point, you may have things that right now are obstructions to you. But Jesus Christ, here's the last thing about her. She became spiritually delivered. This is amazing to me. When I read this, again, I was overwhelmed. I've read it many times. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell you all things. Jesus said to her, now watch this, I who speak to you am he. So... Is there anything in your life that excites you for long term? Is there anything that causes you to be undone and in worship? 
The song we'll sing tonight, Taste and See, that, that the group will sing, and, and uh, Kyle is leading that along with Dylan, and pray for them. Because it's an, I, I'd asked Pastor Rick weeks ago to do that thing, and, and if, you, if you're the leader in that song, I mean, it is high. Y'all know, that, I mean, it's like, man, but the truth of it, the truth of that song reminds us that once Psalm 34, that when you lean into him, you begin to figure out who he is, and, it, and his power begins to come down. This woman was so moved that she, she left her water bucket and she left. She ran to the city, didn't she? And she began to tell everybody and she said these words, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? There's a song I used to sing when I was a boy. I think it was a boy, but I've been alive so long it may have come later and I didn't know it. So don't hold me to the date. But we used to sing this song and I sang it this week in my quiet time with God. My sins have been washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. You say, well, Keith, wasn't that just when you got saved? No, sir, no, ma'am. That is the journey of my life. You, oh, you say, Keith, are you perfect? Absolutely not. I leak sometimes. But every time I come back to that, and so my, my challenge is for two groups of people today as we close. One is this. If you don't know Jesus, ask Him to be the Lord of your life. That's the whole point of this thing. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life. I'll come back there in a moment. But if you're a believer, maybe you should do this. Ask Him to forgive you if you've neglected Him. If you came to church this morning and did not say, Good morning, Jesus. If you get up in the morning, the first thing that you do is look at your daily planner and look at your email. If you get up tomorrow with all the things on your mind and just jump right into it because you're like me, a type A person, friend, listen to me. Jesus is saying, hey, what about me? What about me? When you run through the day because your emotions are just running wild, what are you going to do that next, the next thing? Uh, you know, God says, Psalm 103, verse 1, forget not me and the benefits of all that I've done. You see, let's not be a people that just cry out to Him when the car comes at us in the road. Let's just not be the people that cry out to Him when everything's going astray. Let us be the people who are intimate. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions. And check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.